Welcome, everybody. I am Jesse Mogul, and thank you for joining us on the American Contingency Podcast. We are a united nationwide community of steadfast Americans ready for any challenge that comes our way. We're here to inform, equip, and train you so you can be better prepared to respond and recover from any man-made or natural disaster or situation. I cut us off abruptly in the last episode so that it wouldn't go too long. And so now we're back here with Tom Rigsby. So let's get back into it, Tom. All right. Where were we? Given the current state of affairs in the United States, the trajectory of our country is being questioned by many. I'm super curious to hear your thoughts on what's giving you hope for the Mm -hmm. future. I, I think one of the things that gives me hope is the number of people who are willing to engage in a conversation about self-reliance, not being dependent on the system. There are plenty of people who will ride that train until it goes off the cliff. And there are plenty of other people looking at it going, yeah, that's not for me. And, and whether it's because there, you know, there's some kind of stigma about being dependent, whether it's, um, you know, they, they just don't want the, to make the social trade-offs that go with being dependent. I mean, this, this has been the argument for a long time, and I'll try not to be terribly political about this. But, you know, if you don't work, don't even try to work. You just don't work. You can get, I mean, there's innumerable programs where you can get a place to live, food to eat, medical care, TV, cable TV, cell phone, and, and money to spend. Mm-hmm. But if you go get a minimum wage job, that's all gone. So are you living or are you living in dependence? I mean, it's a personal decision. If that's the way a person wants to live, knock yourself out. I mean, that's, that's your choice, okay? Just know that you are making trade-offs because when they say, okay, the, you, you can keep getting all those things as long as you take this shot, as long as you do X, Y, or Z. Are you prepared to make those payments? Because yeah, they're they're buying something from you, right? They're buying they're buying your point of view. They're they're buying your opinion. They're buying your vote. There's something is going down. They're not, it's not just a free exchange. So, so it, no such thing as a free lunch, right? For me, it's about options. I want the option to take the shot. I, I want to be able to make my own decision. I want to be able to talk to my doctor, and together we decide what the best thing is. I don't want somebody to say, no, no, you have to do it, or you, your way of living is is withdrawn. I mean, here's another great example. You know, when COVID came along, we already had some food stocked up. We had plenty of toilet paper. Um, so we didn't have to go to Costco and fight the, the you weren't those people? zombie hordes to capture some toilet paper. We already had some. It's like it was like Pokemon. Got to catch them all. I mean, people were leaving there like they they literally thought toilet paper was never going to be printed, made, you know, whatever again. Well, we don't have to go there, but it, you know, for whatever reason, why ever you know, the toilet paper became because the, they were buying all the beans. <laughs> Even those sold. Going to need it, right? Well, you, you know, but the the point there is that I had options. We had options, right? We didn't we didn't have to do that. You know, two summers ago last summer and gas was so high mm-hmm. I had gas I already had gas because it was fluctuating on a daily basis if it was too high I'd just go get one of the cans out of the barn refill it later when it's cheaper 
this preparedness and readiness right then and there. No, we've had about an hour. Well, that that that's how it plays out in your in your everyday life. And a lot of people think that this is for some point in the future. And I say, no, it's it's for today. We don't prep for the zombie apocalypse. We prep for Tuesday. Yes. Because Tuesday, something's going to happen. And Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. That's what we want to be prepared for. If we got sick, you know, just got a cold or got food, went out to eat and got food poisoning or whatever, we have probably enough supplies here that we'd be okay for a week. And we could not force anybody else to be exposed to us while we're sick and we could take care of ourselves. We'd be okay. You're like telepathic because you just gave the answer to the question I was going to ask, which was, what do you have to say to those people who are always future pacing out the worst case scenario? And what about what somebody can just be doing for tomorrow? And that's the saying you and I were talking about not too long ago is like, we're helping you just be prepared for Tuesday. Right. I I think the thing, the the biggest obstacle for a lot of people is, wow, I, I can't afford a year's worth of food. I'm not asking you to buy a year's worth of food. Let's start with three days. 72 hours to chaos. Right. Um, yeah, we can do a whole episode on that. But, you know, let's get three days worth of food. Let's get three days worth of, of general living supplies. Let's be able to keep the refrigerator cold for three days. Right. Then once we get all of those things checked off, we go through our 12 categories. We check off three days and all 12 of those categories. Now let's start talking about three weeks. And then once you get three weeks checked off, now let's start talking about three months. Right? And by the time you get to the three-month process, you've ingrained this in your, in your day-to-day life. We've got, you know, and, and you don't stockpile the food and then just let it sit there. You rotate through it. You, you know, you rotate your stock. You can some beans this year. You should be eating, eating them in three or four years. Um, you, you know, it, it by really... By the way, great opportunity to take your prepared food out into the field, i.e. camping, and eat it there to see, is this going to work in case right. we literally are in these conditions? I mean, there, there are great things you can do to practice, right? You can go to your breaker box and throw the main switch off. Say, we're not going to have power for the next 24 hours. Your food in the fridge won't probably won't ruin in 24 hours. And if you stand there staring at it, wondering when the light's going to come on with the door open, then yeah, it'll probably ruin it. But... <laughs> You know, just spend 24 hours without electricity. You'll find out what you're dependent on really fast. Um, you, you know, we're going to spend a week and only drive one car. You'll find out how dependent you've become on everybody having their own mode of transportation. And it will expose the shortcomings, and that's okay. We just had this big communications exercise back in January, February, and a lot of people were, oh, yeah, well, we found, you know, this was a problem, this was a problem, we didn't do very well. I'm like, are you kidding? We did great because we exposed the areas we need to work on. Now we can go work on them. Yeah. And we can do it now, not in a crisis. Yep. Best time to fix a leaky roof is when the sun is shining. That's right. And so this is the what we'll get you out of here on. This is a show available to the entire country. It's on all the streaming platforms. And all you have to do is find us. So this microphone in front of you is actually giving you the opportunity to send a message out to every single person 
that is in this country. And heck, we're available around the world. We might be American contingency, but people can be contingencying the hell out of themselves all around the world. What's the message you want for them right now? What do you want them to hear from you? Don't be anxious. Be confident. It's as easy as thinking through the plan. And if you don't know where to start, start at AmericanContingency.com. We'll help you develop a ready plan. Uh, That ready plan walks you through planning the 12 categories for for different risks. It it talks about your your context, your your risk, your mitigation plan. And, you know... I'm less worried about why the power's out and more worried about what I need to do to be able to successfully survive a power outage. Yeah, it might matter. I mean, if it's a tornado, you know, and there's power lines down and there's risk, yes, that's important. But, you know, if you prepare for the power to be out, then you're prepared for a tornado. If you prepare for... Um, the, the, your food and water. Jackson, Mississippi is a great example. They were told they need to be prepared to boil their water that comes out of their tap for 10 years. That is how bad their system was compromised by one flood. Wow. And, and I don't think it'll take them 10 years to recover from that. But just the thought that, I mean, some some public official thought that that was the right message to put out. How are you going to get people to move to Jackson, Mississippi now in the next 10 years? Oh, you mean the place where you got to boil your water? <laughs> right. I don't think Johnny Cash and uh, his wife could sing enough songs about going to Jackson to make no. their tourism ever increase based off of that message alone. But, but you know, again, that's a circumstance that was outside of your control. It started to rain, kept on raining, right? Overwhelmed the water treatment plant. Now we got to boil our water. What are you going to do? Your, your, your reliable source, your infrastructure source of water is compromised. So your primary is gone. What's your alternate? I, you know, most people, I, and, and I'll challenge the, our listeners to this. You know, if you went and, and turned on the kitchen tap and nothing came out, what would you do? And if you turn the news on and they said, uh, yeah, water treatment plant was, you know, had a massive failure and uh, we're not going to have water for a week. How would you flush the toilet? I mean, these are all easily answerable questions. Um, Especially whenever you ask them of yourself when you have water in and you're not in an emotionally triggered state because right. we all know the rational mind works much better emotionally grounded in, in response mode rather than reaction mode. And it's interesting you mentioned that so much we're getting out of here on this question. It makes me think of when the Weather Channel, I've, I remember I posted it on our My Ready Plan Instagram account, which talks about people building a My Ready Plan. And there was the the house that got swept away by the Yellowstone floods. And remember that yep. and it, and it didn't just like sweep it away in pieces. It at one point just took the whole damn the house, whole house off the side. And right. I remember thinking, <laughs> oh, damn. 
<laughs> you prepare for your house to wash down the river anymore? How do you prepare not to have to boil your water for 10 years? And it's not that we're looking for the end-all, be-all answers, but if they knew this flood was coming down and there was the potential that their house could be damaged, what valuables did they get out of that house? Because one way or another, that house ended up very far away from where it was. And I'm sure they lost their couch, but did they have to also lose their family heirlooms? What right. kind of preparation plan did they have in order to get the valuables that were going to you know, really be the thing that make them crumble? Not so much, of course, the whole house being gone made them sad, but losing mom, grandma's you know, wedding dress may have been the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. Well, you know, those moments happen every day. That that's a very dramatic one, and it's great video. I mean, one for the owners of that house, but just the visual of that is is very compelling. But there are house fires every day, hundreds of house fires, hundreds of families tonight don't have a house that they woke up in this morning. Where's their stuff? What did they get out? You know, there are families as we record this. There are there are tornadoes tearing across part of the country there will be other families whose home they woke up in this morning whose family member they woke up with this morning will not be there tonight what did they get out you know the time to prepare is when you don't need to Mm -hmm. and you know as dramatic as this sounds and i really i i'm not you know, I said it earlier, I'm, I'm not about fear mongering. I don't want to create fear for the sake of making you afraid. I want to, I want you to feel this emotion so that it motivates you to think about these questions that we've asked today. What would I take? If, if for a lot of people, 30 minutes of warning is a lifetime. You know, you think about a tornado, a fire, you know, our neighbor, like literally less than a driver shot from here, their house uh, got struck by lightning one night. wasn't even raining. wasn't even a, I mean, just ball lightning struck their house, burned the house to the ground. They got out of the house with the clothes they had on, and that was it. Now, can we help you be prepared for that? We can certainly walk you through the thought process of what to do. And we can help you come up with a plan to practice getting out of the house. Because at the end of the day, just like when my daughter had the wreck and they had to cut her out of the car, when she woke up in the emergency room, I was sitting right next to her and she woke up in the emergency room and looked at me. The first words that she said to me were, I'm sorry. I don't want people I don't want people to have to be sorry. I want them to be ready. That gave me chills. Not just because I see the emotion in your eyes, but when people have that I'm sorry emotion instead of the thank God you're alive. Right. Well, her her apology and I, you know, it it takes me back to that moment, you know. And I said, "Well, honey, what are you what are you sorry for?" Well, the car's beat up pretty bad. (laughs) The car the car's gone. (laughs) 
the fire department cut the car apart. Uh, and I, you know what I told her in that moment is still true today. I, you know, we can replace the car. Can't replace you. And, you know, until you have experienced that, that changed my life in a lot of ways. But one of the ways in particular that that changed my life um, was it changed my focus on stuff. Yeah. Stuff just wasn't important anymore. And, and even today, I like to have nice things. There are some things I don't like to compromise on. Right. But like, the, you know, this shirt that I'm wearing, I really like this shirt. It's a great shirt. It's comfortable. It keeps me cool when it's hot outside. If I picked it, if I tore it, you know, if I ruined it in some way, I'd be really disappointed and I'd get another one. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have them come apart. I wouldn't have a meltdown. Just get another one. It's stuff. You know, what's important? You know, Family, relationships, community, those things are important. Those are the things that you have, even when everything else is destroyed or removed, those are the things that remain. And if you don't invest in those things now, then you won't have them. And and there will be people, there'll be strangers that you don't even know. You know, I, I think about the things, I think about the things that people did for her um, during and immediately after that accident. There, People didn't know her, don't know her name now. We don't know their name now. But, you you know, they got out of their car on a highway. They could have been hit by another car. They were taking a risk for somebody they didn't even know. Um, you, you know, those are the things that make a strong community. Strong communities make a strong country. Yeah. And I think that by strengthening our communities, by strengthening our, ourselves as individuals, by working together to strengthen our communities is how we strengthen our country. And that, you know, the things that choke me up, the things that I get emotional about, obviously family, but when I tell stories or I hear stories about people doing for other people, that, that moves me. Yes, because they don't have to. We see that all the time. We see people stranded on the side of the road and people just driving past them. Hey, did you see that car with a flat tire? No, where? The, the one you just drove past. No, I didn't see it. You know, it's a cultural thing, you know, in different parts of the country where you live. But... You know, for people to see, it's a cultural thing how quickly people will come to your aid. But there are good Samaritans all over the all over the world. Um, but when people help other people, even when they don't have to, I, you know, I was going through going through the ATM line at the bank, which was you know, it was outside. You drive up to the ATM, and in one of the drive-through lanes, there was a car there with the hood up. And I went through and did my banking and I pulled out and I just caught a glimpse of them in the rear view mirror. And I drove around and came back around and pulled up and said, you need some help? And he said, yes, please. And I got out and we, we were able to figure it out pretty quick what the issue was. 
didn't make a long-term fix, but it was enough to get the car started and get them home. And they were falling all over themselves thanking me because, and, and, and the, the guy's mom was in the car. She said, there'd probably been two dozen people that came through here. Didn't ask. I mean, you're the first person to ask. And, you know, a lot of times we look at that and think, oh, I got a cell phone, they'll call somebody. Not everybody. Not everybody has somebody to call. Not everybody can afford AAA. So, you know, that's the thing that moves me. That's the thing that I want to encourage and promote in my community, in our states, in our regions, in our country. And that's where I want us. That that that's that's where we need to go. Yeah, we need to get back to that that common sense of community and strength of of character and country that got us got us through a lot of turmoil. We well, need to get cre- back to that. It, that created the country that we all aspire to see again from those Rockwell paintings. Yep. You know, it's a powerful message, this idea that strong communities create strong cities, create strong counties, create strong states, strong states create a strong country. Like, it starts with the handshake, looking someone in the eye and saying hello to them on the street. You never know where that goes. How many times, and and I did, we lived in Dallas for a long time, and I realized one day, you know what? When I leave to go to work in the morning, I go out and get in my car in the garage. I hit the garage door opener, back out, close the garage, drive to work, and do the same thing in reverse every day. I never see my neighbors. I, I had an opportunity to, to, you know, thwart a break in, you know, for, for one of my neighbors just by, I, I heard it. I happened to be home during the day. I heard him trying to crowbar the back door. Hey. And they ran off. My neighbor came around and introduced himself that night to thank me for that because the police had told him about that. Six years he had lived behind me, and I wouldn't have known him from Adam's cat. Six years. I remember that um, with Dad because he lived in a similar neighborhood where the driveways were always Mm -hmm. in the back. And so it really cut off the whole neighborhood from itself. So we have to be intentional, right? After that, I, I went on a campaign after that. We would have, like, for Halloween, two or three, four times a year, we would have block parties. We'd get people out. Meet your neighbor. Know who they are. At least know who they are. How do you know if that person who is trying to jimmy the lock on the door across the street lives there or is trying to break into the house? Mm -hmm. One way or another, there's something going on. Yeah. (laughs) And they they either need assistance or they need to go to jail. Right. (laughs) Or should you call the police? I mean, obviously, if you're trying to get in with a crowbar in the back door in the middle of the day, that's probably not the homeowner, okay? (laughs) But, you know, we need to know our neighbors. We need to be, and in order to do that, we have to be intentional about that. That doesn't happen by accident. No. I've written some articles about how you introduce your neighbors to AMCON, how you talk to them about preparedness, how you build neighborhood watch. Like we have a whole bunch of stuff about that. We have literally, it's outlined. Plus there are literal websites on building neighborhood watches, which is a great way to get to know your neighbors, to start to create a community. And yes, there are times where I have known my neighbors really well. And some days I just want to go in my house and I don't really want to be bothered. I've extroverted all day long at work. Now I just want to introvert my way onto my couch with my girl, eat some food, 
food and, and stare at the TV and just rest up and relax. But it doesn't mean that I don't still w- want to know them. And you can simply say, hey, how you doing? Talk to you soon. And you can go in. No, no harm, no foul. But completely ignoring them for six years until you meet them because you stopped their house from being robbed. It seems like for both of you, both sides of that fence needed yeah. to be torn down in that moment. It wasn't, oh, it, they should have said hello. I could have also said hello. There's oh, yeah. a oh, personal absolutely. responsibility where both people can say, let's bluff party this up and right. let's get to know each other. No, absolutely. That was my fault. hundred percent. There was nothing that prevented me from walking around there and introducing myself. Our daughters knew each other. They went to school together, but I didn't know. I didn't know the parents. We, we've, you know, if you want results, you have to be intentional about creating them. You can't just, although I do believe there's something to the law of attraction. That's another episode. You, but you can't just sit on the couch and wish. Yeah. That even even leveraging the law of attraction, that's not going to get you what you want. Even the book, The Secret, will talk all day long about the law of attraction. And I'll step in and say there's a lot of law of action involved, too. Absolutely. Intentional awareness, intentional action creates stability and it creates it, it creates this confidence within yourself. Think about it this way. If you want to meet your the love of your life, your, you know, your spouse, whatever. Is sitting on the couch thinking about them how you're going to do it? Nope. Mm-mm. I mean, <laughs> I guess you could swipe left, swipe right on Tinder all you want, but at some well, point no, no, you still no. I'm just, you still got to go out there and meet them. I'm just saying thinking, right? Right. You you you've got to get off the couch, which brings us back to how I am con got started, right? Get you, up off the bench. You, you got to get off the bench. You got to do the work. Got to take some action and take action. I can show you how to check the oil in your car, right? You can watch a video. Oh, okay. Well, that's it. And then I can take you out to your car. Like, okay, let's see you do it. Uh, is is this the one or is that the one? I don't know. Right? Yeah. There's something, there's something different about doing it versus watching somebody else do it versus, you know, and there's, you know, visual, auditory, kinesthetic. There right? is, but let's go back to when you helped me fix my headlights. And I think there was some other stuff under the hood of my car, and it was super cold. And I was like, yeah. my hands were frigid. They were getting oily. I was a country boy as a kid working on the farm. I have since been city-fied. The cars yeah. are way more complicated now than they used to be. Everything just goes straight to the, the dealership or Jiffy Lube or whatever they call those places. But I just remember buying these and being like, hey, I want to do this. You know, can you help me make sure I do it correctly? Yeah. And it was a little bit of effort, but it was really cool when it was done. I remember high fiving you, being like, "Yeah, I'm a car guy again." I mean, could you have taken it to Jiffy Lube or the Fix It Shop? Sure, but you you made a cognitive, an intentional cognitive choice that you wanted to build that experience in yourself. And and this, I mean, this is simple. This is a simple thing, but this is how it starts. Three days. That's all the food you need. Yep. Three days. Three days. Right? So get three cans of beans. <laughs> you know, whatever you three can Three bags eat. of beef jerky. It, right. <laughs> You're set. It, but but start simple. Build that experience. That builds confidence, and confidence begets confidence. Yes. And then you're ready to take on something a little bit bigger. I, you know... I'll tell this story as we're, as we're on our way out here. But I, I had this old Jeep Cherokee for almost two decades and, and it needed a, 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 an oil pan gasket and a rear seal and some other things. So I just, I watched a couple of videos and decided to do it. 
And my wife said, do you know how to do that? I'm like, no, we'll figure it out. And it, it took me a lot longer to figure it out than if I had just taken it to the shop. If I take it to the shop, they'd have it done this afternoon, right? Took me a whole weekend plus a couple of days. But I, you know, I didn't allow my ignorance to intimidate me. And I, I tried. Did I do the best job I could? No, because ultimately I had to get my neighbor to come over here to show me that, oh, well, this this part right here is wrinkled. That's why it's still squirting oil out of the back of the car, out of the back of the motor when you when you crank the engine. But I learned that, and now I know what to look for. So, you, you know, there are, and, and I, I use this in, in, the, in the converse a lot, you know, because we talk about subject matter experts around here all the time. And a lot of people say, well, I'm no expert on anything. The only thing required for you to be an expert in my eyes is to know a little bit more than me. You've got to be one page ahead, one chapter ahead. You only have to be one, one chapter ahead. One day ahead. worth of experience ahead. Right? And, and that makes you an expert to me. Now, there might be somebody else who's a chapter ahead of you, and they're your expert. Right? But you can help me. You never really understand something until you teach it to somebody else anyway. So I, I'm constantly evangelizing the idea of, um, you know, take what you know, answer questions, and go in the groups. We've got, a, you know, hundreds of groups, special interest groups on the, on the website and on the phone apps. Go in there and ask, answer questions. And if you don't know, ask questions. And if somebody asks a question, you know, the general rule of thumb is if one person asks it, three or four people are thinking it. Yeah. They're just afraid to ask. But go in the comments and say, man, that's a great question. I'd love to know the answer to that, too. Build that person up for having the courage to ask the question. Yes. Right? And, and in doing so, you'll become a valued member of that community. If I say that, if you ask a question and I say, that's a great question, Jesse, I, I want to know the answer to that too. Well, I invested in you. You think more of me. Together, we have elevated each other. Right? If we do that over and over and over and over every day, then we're elevating the whole community. I love it. So let's get you out of here on this one. People are listening to the podcast they knew about us. Maybe they're already members. Maybe they have no idea we even exist. They're getting ready to say, okay, I want to go to AmericanContingency.com. I want to join. I want to be a member. Mm -hmm. What is it you tell them to do as soon as they join? Uh, well, okay. So right after you join, you'll get a video message from me. I know it's scary to see my face pop up on the screen, but um, I'll welcome you. And in that message, I encourage you to do the new member onboarding course. So we've got a learning uh, management system. We've got a set of courses for you to take. That onboarding uh, walks you through the process. It is it is an expansive member site, and it's easy to get lost. It's easy to um, not feel like you're you're really understanding where you are and what you're seeing. It you know in a lot of respects, it's like Facebook the first time you tried to use it. That there's just a lot here. There is. It's so go through that course. It will walk you through the steps to get connected, right? It'll get you in the right region. It'll help you get connected in the right state. It'll help you identify some of the vertical interest areas where you can connect with other people that have interest or questions in the same area that you're interested in. And in doing so, you'll start to see 
more and more activity come through in your feed. And as you do that, then you get, uh, you, you, you find the other aspects that you need. We also do a, um, uh, premium plus and new members call every month. So every, every member that's joined in the last month gets a chance to be on that call and you can ask me questions. And I, I think that I love doing that call every month. It's a great way for, for us to interact directly. And, you know, if you've, you know, whether you've been in three days or 30 days, if you've got questions of the leadership, you can ask and we'll answer. And I, I stay on, sometimes I've stayed on that call for two or three hours and, you know, sometimes 30 minutes because, you know, everybody's happy. Because there's power in community. I think that's yeah. one of the coolest things about what American Contingency does. That's why we wanted to launch this podcast, not just obviously to talk about American Contingency and what we offer to our members, but to really introduce people a more healthy way, a healthy approach at preparedness and readiness, readiness releasing any fear-mongering, understanding that this is an opportunity to build confidence, release anxiety, be able to look at your loved ones, and whenever all hell's breaking loose, you don't have to look at them and say, mm, sorry, didn't prepare water or food. Right. Instead, it can be like, are you kidding me? I'm so glad that we're all getting to be here together in our cozy little home while the storm rages outside. Right. That's what we're looking for. Thank you, Tom. Oh, man, my pleasure. I really hope that y'all have enjoyed this multi-part series that Tom and I created for you. This is us launching the American Contingency Podcast, where ultimately we are seeking to be able to inform you, equip you, train you so you can be prepared to respond to recovery. Because moving you from uncertainty to this certainty of confidence, we're here for you. When you're ready to build the skills, the network, and the confidence to be ready for whatever comes next, join us at AmericanContingency.com. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.